0: Hey, we had this uh, this awesome opportunity last week to hear from Andrew Garrett. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so That's a great word. Yeah, yeah. Awesome word on, on the anointing. And so um, just really wanted to follow up on that this morning. And um, it seems very appropriate at this time of year. And so, um, yeah, we're going to speak about the anointing. And I want to start with this scripture that you mentioned last week um, from Isaiah ten twenty seven. And i uh, reading from the ESV, but it says, And in that day his burden will depart from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be broken because of the fat. Anyone like fat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Simon said I had to undo this button this morning, and I was like, oh, but, you know, it's cool, but, you know, like the man, the dad bod. Uh, <laughs> We're all self-conscious about our own things, okay? <laughs> um, but this scripture, man—like, obviously, there's other there's other scriptures that refer to the yoke, and um, we talk about it, you know, in terms of relationships or marriage. Don't be unequally yoked, and it really is a that wood that big, heavy wooden thing that the oxen would carry to drag something or pull a cart, or you know, very it's laden, heavy laden. And so the yoke represents something really heavy. And it says it is broken because of the fat. And in the context of the scripture, um, it, there's actually a number of things that it could be referring to. Uh, if you look at 2 Kings 18.14, it says that, um, that Hezekiah, who was the king uh, of, of, the, of God's people, of Zion, um, they, they were under the rule of the Assyrians. And so the king of Assyria like, imposed a tax on them. Um, a, a tribute and so it could be referring to that um, that was a heavy burden for them it, it could be that um, the cities of Judah uh, were taken by the Assyrians and so it represents that um, and it, it could also be um, prophetic of what happens later on when they're released from the captivity of the of the Babylonian empire so there's like a whole bunch of options there, but either way, it's a, an oppressive regime, right? And they're broken out from under that. It's prophetically though, we, we look at the scripture and we see it as a type. Um, we see it as a type of the deliverance and the redemption of Christ, where God's people, you and I, um, we're delivered from our burdens, which we, we were singing about, you know? Um, we're delivered from the burden of sin, delivered from the guilt of punishment uh, delivered from the yoke of the law, the yoke of bondage, um, and and the tyranny of the enemy. And out of out of every hand of every enemy, really. Um, but that word fat is really interesting. Uh, so in the ESV, it uses that word fat or oil. And you can trace the, the Hebrew root of that word to shaman, which it, it, when you translate it, it means anointing. It means the anointing. The King James uses oil to represent um, the anointing of God, and it's like a real strong motif throughout Scripture. You just have to, it doesn't take long before you go, oh, wow, oil, oh, fat, oh. The NIV talks about it, it it represents health. So, like, we're going to grow so healthy, fat, (laughs) because of God, that the yoke that enslaved us would just break off. Like, it doesn't fit anymore super-sized, figuratively, yes, yes, in our culture, figuratively, Uh, (laughs) um, yeah, another translation talks about the yoke being broken off because of the Messiah, so the anointed one, um, who who is anointed with the oil of gladness um, above all his fellows, and um, for for whose sake um, the yoke of sin and the enemy and the law have been destroyed. But I reckon each translation, everything that I, I, I read, they all kind of have the same eventuality. They they all end up with the same destination in mind, which is you, as a believer, living free. Is you, as a believer, having had that heavy yoke broken by the anointing of Holy Spirit. So living from a place of healing or living from a place of wholeness, living from a place of freedom, wherever you're at, because Holy Spirit has done that work by His anointing, breaking the heavy yoke of burden. I reckon there's a. Um, this is my small survey. Uh, I counted 200 times um, where oil was mentioned in the Bible, and uh, and then I stopped counting. So there's probably more, <clears throat> um, but that's a good benchmark, right? Uh, and it was it was a conne- the connection there was with the metaphor of Holy Spirit's presence or action right, the, the action of the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that every reference to oil in the Bible represents that, symbolizes that, but it seems that every time the anointing is talked about, it implies that there's the action of the Holy Spirit, right, either either to consecrate people or to heal somebody or uh, to raise somebody from the dead or to deliver them from the demonic or something like that. It's the action of the Holy Spirit, and then every reference, um, the reference so it either implies his action or a revelation of the Holy Spirit. So he's either doing something or he's revealing his presence, like empowering the kings, the priests, the prophets. Um, yeah, all of that. So you have Holy Spirit's action and his empowerment. Okay, so that's that's all by way of introduction. You still with me? You good? Yeah, okay. Um I reckon one of the clearest prophetic illustrations of this that speaks of the anointing throughout scripture is the menorah, which is this um there's a cute version of it. Uh as in it's small. But um this is this is a, a candelabra, a seven um a seven branched uh candelabra. And uh I think it's crazy because I wrote, I started writing this message like ages ago, and I really had it on my heart to, to speak about the menorah. And then we got gifted this two weeks ago by the writings when they came from Israel. And so it's legit from Jerusalem. And I thought, that's that's just really gangster. Um, <laughs> but I also feel like, man, we should listen. Like, I feel like I need, we need to attune our ears to what God's trying to say to us right now, because he just gifted us this, you know? And, and it represents something. It's prophetic. Um, and so, you know, we have early on in the piece, um, our friend Mo uh, instructed by God um, to build everything in the tabernacle, which was the place where they would go to worship, uh, according to the pattern that he received on the mountain, right? So God spoke to him on the mountain and said, build stuff like this, right? Uh, and the Hebrews... Um, Hebrews quotes this, saying that it was all shadows and copies of the heavenly world. In other words, where they met with God and the objects that they used in worship is a copy and a shadow of what the heaven's throne room is like. So there's something really significant about the symbolism of it. Um, This thing has seven branches, right? And um, it's fashioned after the almond tree. Um, the word almond in Hebrew means the awakening one because the almond tree was the first one to awake after winter from its sleep. You know, it started to blossom, the first tree. Um, it also speaks of the speedy and powerful result of light. So God chose the resemblance of the lampstand to an almond branch for a reason, I reckon. I reckon he does everything for a reason. So I reckon there's a reason behind it. Um, in the Middle East, it happens like, Late June, February, and the Hebrew word um, for menorah, uh, shakid, means to to hasten. And it's telling the Israelites that God is really quick to fulfill his promises. Uh, you remember that, um, so Moses' brother Aaron had a staff, and it was a piece of wood. It was a piece of almond wood, and it miraculously just like budded and blossomed. Right, and just produced almonds, like a dead stick started producing almonds. Um, and, it, and, it, and it indicated that God was saying, he's, he's going to be my high priest. yeah. Um, and later on the, in uh, Numbers 17, 18, it talks about that, 17, 8, sorry. And, uh, and the rod was later, they put it in the Ark of the Covenant, and it was just like this reminder, um, it, it went into the Holy of Holies, and it was a reminder of God's faithfulness to his people. And the almond staff, like this dead branch um, that came alive to bear fruit, was a sign to the Jews that the Messiah was to be established as the Son of God when he was resurrected from the dead. Like that was to be a sign to them. Not to say that um, the resurrection made Jesus the Son of God, because he was already that before the beginning of time, but that the resurrection confirmed it. That to everybody, uh, to the Jews in particular, that the resurrection was to confirm that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. And Aaron was appointed high priest by God by the fact that his arm and you know, his branch budded to confirm it. Um, but Jesus was confirmed to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. And that, you know what that represents for you and I? It represents that the Holy Spirit in your life is the seal of a new covenant with you. He is the sign that there is something come alive in you. That you have been resurrected from the dead. That there is a first fruits. It's a confirmation of your new nature. That your spirit has been born again and that you are the righteousness of Christ. That there is something brand new in you that has been brought to life. So I don't know if anybody in the room has ever wondered if they've been saved. But like, you know, maybe you have that doubt or that question, am I saved? Well, the Spirit taking up residency in you is all the confirmation that you need. Holy Spirit within you is the confirmation that you have that you are sealed with a promise and that you are brand new. It establishes you as a son or a daughter of God. So the menorah, unlike this one, actually didn't hold candles, <clears throat> but these are cute. Uh, it had It had like these small vessels on top of it, and it held olive oil and had like a cloth wick right and Aaron, as the high priest representing Jesus, who was our high priest, and his sons, the priests representing us, little priests uh, <laughs> um, would have kept the oil burning permanently right so they they would they would they never let it go out. It, the, it kept burning 24-7, 365. Uh, and twice a day, every evening and every morning, um, a priest would attend to the work and, and replenish the pure beaten olive oil for the lamps. Um, it, it's, its permanent light was a reminder that God's presence is always present. God's presence was always with them but it took it took them twice daily to come into the holy place to do that right i remember last year we were going through living free right which was peter skizero stuff on emotionally healthy spirituality and um he had, had had part of his stuff was the daily office yeah which was essentially like this habitual returning to the place of prayer and connection with God throughout the day. So he, morning, lunch, evening, you know. And we affectionately have been referring to that as the secret place throughout this year. Uh, and you would have heard Gideon speak about uh, that a lot, the his secret place. And and really it's this, um, it's entering into the presence and attending to the oil in your lamp. You know, God commanded the Israelites to bring clear oil that was Pressed olives, and and to use it in the lampstand, and and this is supposed to have been oil that was obtained from olives they are not quite ripe yet, you know, and they would pound them with a mortar, and um, they would they would crush them, pound them in the mortar, and produce that oil. That I think other other forms is using a press, but this is the way they are instructed to do it, and I think even that's symbolic. I am sure of it. <laughs> but it was considered the best way to produce the least amount of smoke and the brightest light. It gave off more light. Being crushed produces the brightest light. Being crushed produces the brightest light. See, like all other furniture in the tabernacle, this golden lampstand was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, you know, the, the future Messiah. It gave forth light, in fact, it was the only source of light in the holy place, and that represents, obviously Jesus. He is the light of the world. John 8:12 says, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." Jesus in, in Matthew, Jesus compared his followers. Uh, to, the, to, to light as well. He said, he said this, he says, You were the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that, you may, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Wow. So that this this menorah probably not, but um, the menorah was made of solid gold, right? <clears throat> Does anyone know if this is made of solid? It's heavy. It, it could be. We'll smelt it down and find out. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, but the gold, the gold that represents it symbolizes s- something that's sacred and holy. You know, it's pure in contrast to some of the objects. Outside of the holy place, like the brazen altar, which was made of brass, something that was pure and holy. And and, um, gold is often spoken of in Scripture as being tested by fire. That's why all our songs contain that line, you know, I want to be refined by fire. I want to be tested by fire. See, gold, you know, like they they would burn it down. They would smelt it down and they would get rid of the dross. Or as I grew up thinking, the joss. Uh no serious uh it was good. it was good for me uh, gold is 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 um you know like later on, I think it's first peter first peter one seven says um out of testing or refining will come the true people of God, and there's something about our testing and our being refined that purifies us. You know, that, that the true people of God will emerge from a testing and a fire. It talks about it in Zechariah. <laughs> it talks about it in Job. It talks about it in Numbers. It talks about it in so many places that we probably shouldn't ignore it. That those who withstand the fire will be Purified. This things uh, it has got seven branches, right? And that number seven represents perfection or completion. And so the seven shining lamps symbolize the fullness of the Spirit abiding in God's throne room, and then in Christ, and then in the churches. Isaiah and Revelation both talks about um, the sevenfold manifestations or expressions of Holy Spirit. And um that's not to say that Holy Spirit is anything other than one person and part of the triune being, part of the Trinity, but that there are there are there are seven manifestations or expressions that are represented. It says the spirit of the Lord, spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, of might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Someone counted seven, right? Yeah. Um, at the end of the Bible in Revelations one twenty, there are seven golden lampstands. And actually they symbolize seven local churches, and according to verse 11, uh, the seven churches were in seven cities, and these were respectively one local church per city, right? And the picture shows that each local church, the local church, is a lampstand, just as Christ is. I think this is really, I think it's really meaningful. So in Exodus 25, the emphasis, the emphasis of the lampstand is on Christ. <laughs> the emphasis on Christ. In Zechariah 4, the emphasis of the lampstand is on Holy Spirit. My, uh, by my Spirit, says the Lord. And in Revelations 1, which we've just seen, the emphasis is on the churches. So all three passages mention the lampstand, but in the first passage, Christ is emphasized. In the second passage, Holy Spirit is emphasized. And in the third passage, the churches are brought forth. How is the church brought forth? The church is produced by having the Spirit in addition to Christ. Christ with the Spirit is the church as the golden lampstand. So according to God's eternal, his desire, his economy, his plan, that the golden lampstand is not merely Christ or merely Christ with the church, uh, sorry, Christ with the spirit, but instead the golden lampstand is Christ with the spirit producing the church. The church is God's ultimate goal. It's God's plan is from Christ through the spirit, To the church, if there is Christ yet not the Spirit, God cannot carry out His plan. If there is Christ with the Spirit yet without the church, God has not yet reached the ultimate goal of His economy. Like it's only by grace, right? It's only by grace, but He has destined the church, His bride, to become pure, consecrated oil, on fire for the world to see. And he calls us to arise and to shine. Listen listen to this. Christ, Messiah, means anointed one, right? Zechariah prophesied of anointed ones, which in Hebrew means sons of oil. It's a, It's an idiom, like a Hebrew idiom. The son of something radically takes on the characteristics of that thing. So the bride you and i sons and daughters are characterized by the ministry and the power of holy spirit that we would be sons of oil daughters of oil dripping dripping with oil if you read through each account that oil is being used it seems to be used up so there's and zechariah it talks about it comes out of the trees um, but it's burnt up. And, and I really think that all, in all ministry, in our ministry that's happening in your life, in your family, in your workplace, in your school environment, whatever it is, that, that the oil is being like, it's your ministry is giving of yourself, right? So there's a sense of like, if the fire is going out, then the oil is running out. And and it's interesting to note that that designation of oil, that cup, it, it, it can't really in, be increased beyond a single measure. There's, like, there's no mini Holy Spirit or there's no greater portion. There's simply the wick has oil and it can be lit or not. But there is, however, like this continual need to replenish the oil. And that's what the high priests would do. You guys know the story of the, the wise and the foolish virgins? So it's in Matthew 25, 1 to 12. Um, I, won't, I won't go through the whole story, but essentially, uh, virgins speaks of, they were redeemed, right? They were righteous. The, the, the virgin speaks of purity or innocence. And so, uh, and, and they're awaiting the bridegroom and they, they are all awake at the return of the bridegroom right they're all awake and yet some had allowed the oil the oil of holy spirit to run dry and therefore the fire of his presence had been quenched and <laughs> i know i've been convicted of this in my own life and and you become there's there's seasons where you become aware that your flame is just dimly lit you know, or it's it's out of oil. And you'll know, and if you don't know, the people around you, others will know. Because if you have the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Spirit of God burning in your life, then you'll you'll light up the room. That's that's his intended purpose is that we would light up the place. But if you know that the oil is running out only you can do something about it you know when you walk into a room your countenance releases the presence that you're most aware of if if you if you're dwelling on negative thoughts if you're dwelling on you know if negativity pervades your mind and, and you step into the room then you then that you take that negativity with you into the room because because the anointing is transferable and as sons and daughters, you carry something. I think i was um I was about nineteen, and I was working as a builder, and we got rained off site and uh, I was upstairs um on the computer, just filling in time really waiting for the rain to stop and um a bit bored to be honest, but i just i had there was a hunger in me, and i was searching for something. <laughs> and I stumbled upon, upon this this man preaching. And I really had no idea what he was speaking on. and um, But there was this, just this heavy sense of the anointing of God on it. It wouldn't have been live streamed. I'm too old for that. So it would have been like, <laughs> you know. So not happening in the same time and space. Not happening in the same time and space. But as I listened to this man and I, and I just watched God flow, somehow through time and through space, I'm sitting on this little wheelie chair and I just start getting the giggles, you know, because the transfer of anointing is so real. Like to the point where I fell off the chair and I was laughing hysterically, just like, and there was, there was, it was, cathartic, but you know, there were so many things that were coming out. But it was it was a beautiful encounter of Holy Spirit and I did that for like forty minutes until someone probably said we can go back on site now. <laughs> you weird drunk guy on the floor. <laughs> Are you safe to use tools? <laughs> I that, that I I can't I don't know. There's countless times in my life where I know that that's happened. Uh <laughs> I remember being at a at a Wood End. Who who knows Wood End Christian Camp, right? I remember being there one time, and um, Mel Maloney had just ministered. Sort of one of the generals in the faith in New Zealand, and he he prayed for me. And again, I I went down under the power of the Holy Spirit, and I I just laughed uncontrollably, holding my my stomach for like two, three hours, to the point where they'd finished the service ages ago, and there was just this odd guy in the middle of the an auditorium, and they had to set up lunch on the courts outside, on the basketball courts, because cause that guy. <laughs> and I remember walking out, I remember stumbling out to the court, and being like, sitting down to have lunch, and just shaking, and just being like, just, just so giddy, and just and I remember driving people home later that the day over the bridge, the Wymat Bridge, thinking, I don't know if I should be driving. <laughs> you know, last, last Sunday, Nicholas prayed for me out the front here. And, and I had to ask him later on in the week, was I running on the spot? Because I felt like I was being electrocuted that I thought I was running on the spot, but apparently I wasn't. And it's not, it's not about the manifestation at all that actually it doesn't matter that doesn't impress god it, it's not it's about the power released that we vitally need you know like we need it to sustain us to strengthen us to concentrate us and as i prayed this morning uh i was i was just really struck with a simple thing how do you how do you get oil out of the olive you know And the way to receive an anointing, it seems to be there's a correlation with being crushed, the crushing, that capacity to yield yourself, to yield yourself and surrender yourself to God. How do we make new wine? You know, the other metaphor is new wine, wine. How does, you know, you put pressure on the grapes and you crush them. And it's about bringing yourself into the light everything in our lives into the light why don't don't you stand with me yeah Holy Spirit we just invite you to have your way God, you're the source. And we so desperately need more of your anointing. We don't want to sustain ourselves on the drip. We want to we bring our cup to you and be filled, and be filled to overflowing. We want to bring a bigger cup, we want to bring a large vessel. We want to bring a barrel and we want to drink deeply from your presence that you would fill us, that you would empower us, that you would do your work of consecration within our hearts. We want to be virgin before you. So, Lord, as we enter into, into worship, as we, as we sing, as we just allow worship and music to, to wash over us, would you encounter us afresh this morning? Would you meet with us? We need a fresh touch, Lord. We need a fresh touch. There's nothing else that satisfies. We need a fresh touch of you, God. Would you come, overwhelm us, fill us afresh? We make room for you. We make room for you, Holy Spirit. There's no rush. This is why we came. It's to meet with you. To encounter you face to face.